Don't be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her King. Let every heart prepare Him room, and heaven and nature sing, and heaven and nature sing, and heaven and heaven and nature sing. Don't be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. Good news. I want you to say this with me. Every time I say don't, you say be afraid. Okay? Don't. Be afraid. Let's do the next part. I bring you, and you say Good news. Let's try that part. I bring you. Good news. And I'm going to say of, and you're going to say great joy. Of. That will be for, and you say all the people. Ready? That will be for. And I'll say today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you, and you say he is Christ the Lord. Ready? He is. Christ the Lord. Let's try all of that. Don't I bring you of that will be for today in the town of David. A Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. One more time. Don't I bring you of that will be for Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. Good news. And I always think, often at the Christmas time, what it must have been like that night for the shepherds. Have you ever wondered why God chose those guys? I mean, of all the people on all the earth at that very moment, been waiting for 4,000 years for the arrival of this Savior, and God had to be so excited because he just did it. He just got it all done, and it's been quite a story, quite a story, lots and lots of pages in the Old Testament leading up to this moment when the Savior's going to enter the earth, and he's so excited, he has to tell somebody. And I always wonder why it was those guys, because there they are, the most unsuspecting guys on the whole earth. And I think of them. What was that night like for them? And I ponder in my mind that they're sitting there on the, you know, like a hillside watching sheep. And we've talked often about that's not a very exciting job unless you get the little wolf or bear action. And then you have an exciting moment. Oh, you got to scare them away. But for the most part, you're just sitting there. So there's a lot of time on your hands. And I imagine the shepherds sitting there on the edge of that hill. I, look, I imagine them looking up at a very star-filled sky just sitting and I can imagine it was cold and you could see their breath coming in and out. 
And as they were staring at the starry sky that night, I imagined them kind of pondering the way you do late at night when it's real quiet. You kind of begin to consider your life and your day and what's on your mind and what's on your heart gets a little more present when you're quiet. And I can imagine them sitting there going, God, I, I don't always know how I'm going to be able to provide for my family. You don't make much as a shepherd. And, and, and maybe they're thinking about their families. My kids aren't relating to me. I don't know. I don't know what to say. Do you got any ideas? I don't know. I don't know what I should say. Sometimes my wife and I don't even like each other anymore. Or what? Or, or maybe they're reflecting on the good things of life. I don't know what it was, but I imagine them reflecting and thinking. I imagine them even pondering th- some things they might have been afraid of, things that were coming up, things that they were facing. Such a quiet, tender, still, still moment when all of a sudden this angel appears as if it had been standing there the whole time listening. Very personal, right here, me and you, and says, don't be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. Now, if that weren't a lot to unpack, just right there, just this guy pondering his thoughts and all of a sudden this angel steps in and says, don't be afraid. A savior's been born to to you. This is good news. It'll be for all the people. If that weren't enough, then all of a sudden God allows the veil between earth and heaven to be pulled back just for a moment. And I can totally imagine the angels on the other side of that veil going, can we, 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 what? Because we're always invisible and they don't think we're here. Can we just once be like, whoa, <laughs> and like, whoa, and, and so exciting. And God's like, this is the moment. You know, like if there was ever a moment I was going to let you, this is going to be the one, okay? Because most of the time you got to be invisible and they got to have faith and blah, 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 blah. But this is one moment where these lucky shepherds, for whatever reason, the whole curtain balls back and then it says there's thousands of angels, and the whole sky's lit up and I have no idea what it looked like. I can't even imagine it. And I'm pretty for sure all of our little Christmas pageants don't even come close to what it must have been like to be this little guy just sitting there and saying like, <laughs> like, who's going to believe this, you know? And I'm so glad it wasn't just him. I'm glad there were a few others. And I don't even know how you would unpack what you just saw, but I'm so glad that they, they weren't cynical. I'm so glad they didn't cross their arms and be like, yeah, that wasn't good enough for me. I'm so glad they were ruined. And the angel said, here's going to be a sign. You're going to find a baby wrapped in claws lying in a manger. And, and they were like, let's go see. Let's go see. They didn't be like, oh, no, what will the, sh- the sheep do without us? I don't know. Or maybe they took the sheep. I don't know what they did. But there was a moment when they left where they were and they went to where the Savior was. They moved so they could see. And I always wonder what it must have been like them trying to get to the, the place. Because you got to know they were just like you and I imagining what this place is going to look like and what this Savior is going to look like. And so they're, they're turning. I want to think this is why. Oh, yeah. Wait, no. Stars over here. Okay, we're coming. Oh, wow. Wow. Ooh, wow. It's a cave. Is that what you pictured? No, I totally didn't picture that. What did you? I, I don't know. I don't know what I pictured, but it wasn't a cave. And then they peek in there, 
and it smells. You know what barns smell like? It's a horse, a horse, you know, so it stinks. And they walk in, and there's just a little 16-year-old young woman-ish, and this man, and this baby in the feeding trough. And I'm so glad the angels told them that's what the baby would look like. You will find a baby wrapped in claws lying in a manger. Or I don't think they had believed it. That's it? That's what all that was about? Is that? And then Jesus probably spit up. <laughs> Terribly unimpressive compared to the big light show they just got. And here it is. That's it. Angels were so excited because they wanted to pull the veil back to everybody and say, Hey, world, everything's going to be okay now. World is going to be saved. Baby born tonight. It's God. It's crazy. We would have never dreamed this is the way he was going to enter the world. Crazy. Only he would think of something like this. But he did, and it's going to be great. You're going to want to watch this. That little baby there, born in that manger, was God mighty to save. Mighty to save. Psalm 91. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High, keep thinking about that little baby, will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely he will save you from the fowler's snare and the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with feathers and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. You will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked if... You make the most high your dwelling, even the Lord who is my refuge. Then no harm will befall you. No disaster will come near your tent, for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. Then, you will lift, then they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. You will tread upon the lion and the cobra. You will trample the great lion and the serpent. Because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him, for he acknowledges my name. He will call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Our God is mighty to save. Psalms 91 has become known, I found out recently, as the soldier's psalm. And uh, we just, many of us, just prayed this in earnest for my nephew, Matthew Penniston, who was just recently deployed to Afghanistan. And we were praying that his whole platoon would be saved and spared from everything that we just read in that psalm. And praise the Lord, his whole platoon came back home alive. Our God is mighty to save. Our God is mighty to save. So don't I bring you of that will be for today in the town of David. A Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. 
good news. Not long ago, uh, when I, when actually when we were living up in Grand Island, New York, one day we were having a garage sale and I was out setting up things when this beautiful young mother came to shop at the garage sale and we began to talk and have a little discussion and before I knew it, a few minutes had passed and this woman was literally reaching into her soul and pulling out her heart and her life story. Tears were starting to stream and all of a sudden it wasn't about a garage sale anymore. It was like another moment when heaven came very close. And uh, she became my friend. Her name was Darla. And she began to share such brokenness that as I listened, there wasn't anything I could do, nothing but to respond with the honest words, Darla, you need Jesus. And she got quiet and listened. I'm sure that wasn't what she expected me to say, but there was no other appropriate response. And we began a friendship that lasted um, through the last couple years we lived there. Darla, through a journey of coming to know what it was, uh, the story of the gospel, um, began to get soft to the things of God. I remember when the Passion of the Christ came out, she had never seen the story, didn't really know much about the Bible at all. And I asked her for the honor if I could take her to see the movie. And she sat beside me and held my hand through the whole movie and just whispered in my ear, who is that and why is that happening? And of course, when it came to the scene of his death, it was too hard to even watch. And Darla ended up surrendering her life to Christ and coming to know salvation because good news of great joy. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born for you, Darla. He is Christ the Lord. My God is mighty to save. I have grown up my whole life with this picture of God's ability to save and then watching the struggle of earth with my uncle David. Some of you know with our journey uh, with my mom that her brother has had a pretty rough journey. Um, growing up, he started smoking when he was five, started drinking at 17, struggled with alcoholism most of his life, had a couple marriages, prison term, really, really rough journey of earth with the battle of alcoholism, very, very addicted we just had Thanksgiving, and uh, my uncle is 60, how old is he now? 68 years old. He should not be alive. There's no reason he should be alive. But he had a sister who never stopped praying for him. And he sat with us at Thanksgiving, not only alive, but aware of that good news. My God is mighty to save no one, nothing is beyond him. No one, nothing is beyond him. And when I spoke with you guys last time, I was talking about my own personal battle with despair. Well, I tell you, I've grown a little bit even since I've talked with you, and I'm almost like ferociously roaring inside about despair now because I won't believe it about anybody. I won't look at anybody and say, no hope for you. Your situation is too dark. I will not agree with the enemy. I will not. Because I hear the angels saying, Don't! I bring you of... That will be for... Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is... When we were growing up, 
or sorry, not us growing up, when Miles and Doreen and Maggie, I don't know if you want to jump in on this, but we used to sing this little song in our youth group days, and it's probably silly, but I couldn't stop thinking about it when I was preparing this talk this week, so I emailed Shannon, Miles said, you remember youth group days? You want to pull out when Shannon was a youth pastor and we'd, we'd sing this song together? And I said, I just want to sing it over everybody because it's perfect for what I'm trying to say. This good news is for all the people, all the people, church, all the people. I didn't grow up in a church that really demonstrated that. Church looked like it was Jesus only died for people that looked like that. And all these people apparently were beyond God. But that isn't the gospel. That isn't the true message of what Jesus came for, that mighty to save Savior in that little manger. He came for all the people. So you can sing along if you want to. It's kind of hard. It's tongue twister, so I dare you to try. But this is a little tiny picture of all the people. Come up if you want to. Politicians, morticians, Philistines, homophobes, skinheads, deadheads, tax evaders, street kids, alcoholics, workaholics, wise guys, dimwits, blue collars, white collars, warmongers, peaceniks, breathe deep, breathe deep the breath of God, breathe deep, breathe deep the breath of God. Suicidals, rock idols, shut-ins, dropouts, friendless, homeless, penniless, depressed, presidents, residents, foreigners and aliens, dissidents, feminists, xenophobes and chauvinists, breathe deep, breathe deep the breath of God, breathe deep, breathe deep the breath of God. Offenders, tax collectors, war vets, rejects, atheists, scientists, racists, and sadists, photographers, biographers, artists, pornographers, breathe deep, breathe deep the breath of God, breathe deep, breathe deep the breath of God. This is the last one, so try and if you want to jump in with us, here we go. Gays and lesbians and demagogues and thespians and disabled preachers, doctors and teachers, weed eaters, life eaters, judges and juries, long hair, no hair, everybody everywhere. Breathe deep, breathe deep the breath of God. Breathe deep, breathe deep the breath of God. Thank you guys. So try it again. Don't I bring you of that will be for 
today in the town of David. A Savior has been born to you. Now I just have a couple questions I want to ask you. First question is, saved from what? We make a big deal. It's even become a cheesy phrase. Are you saved? Well, you better get saved. And I think we're almost trying as a culture, maybe even Hollywood's helping, to try and drain the meaning out of that. Like it's silly. Oh, honey, she's saved. But I don't, I don't think it's silly. I think it's very real. So who or what are we saved from? Well, there's a lot of things we could say, but let me simplify it by this. Very simply, you're saved from death. You're saved from death. Well, what is death? Well, let's keep it really simple. Death is anything that keeps you from life, right? Am I, am I over anybody's heads here? Saved from death. What is death? Death is anything that keeps you from life. Oh, well, that's simple. Well, who's life? There's only one person I know who ever called himself that. It's the one that was born on the darkest day of the earth. So we celebrate Jesus, the light of the world. Okay, saved from death for life. So John 10.10 lays out the mission of earth. The enemy, the thief, comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. He's the one to keep you from life. Jesus said, but I came that they might have life. So we've got the one keeping you from life and the one who wants to give you life. It's real simple. So when you say you're saved, you're saved from the one who wants to keep you from life. Death. Well, the concern I have, because I'm not sure we're as serious about this as we need to be. Um, I'm studying World War II with my kiddos right now. It's very fresh in my mind. And, you know, when World War II first started, not everyone thought Hitler was very serious. Wasn't a very serious threat, but we know him to have been a very serious threat that brought a lot of damage, and it was problematic that people didn't take it seriously. And the thing that happens when you know you have an enemy who's coming against you with uh, great strength, you do what you can to build up your defenses against that enemy. And it was interesting at World War II because the weapons had advanced a bit. We had airplanes now that could drop bombs and We had tanks now, and so we were developing certain weapons that could be deployed against a tank. Because, you know, that wasn't real common. Just started in World War I. New weapons start coming. We start developing new defense mechanisms. Well, we know about that in the physical world. What, What puzzles me is when it comes to the spiritual world, we don't take as much time to be saved, to protect ourselves, to be defended from the enemy. And this is my concern, saved from death. I think, we think, that there's a whole pile of things that might possibly save us other than, other than Jesus. And we may not say that with our words, but we say it with our wallets and our calendars. So what I mean by this, and give you this example, when I was a little girl in Kentucky, every once in a while my mom would give me, you know, a dime to go down to the convenience store and buy candy when you could buy it for a dime. And I would buy this little candy that was called Now and Laters. I don't know if any of you ever had those. Now, and I didn't even know they were really called Now now and Laters because in Kentucky we called them Nihilators. 
And I would say, Mommy, I need to go down the store and get me a nihilator. She'd say, here's your dime. And it really, I was lots older before I was like, oh, that's now and later. That's a funny, a funny name. Now and later. What does that mean? Well, I think it meant because the flavor lasted so long, they called them now and laters, not laters. But I believe that Jesus came to save us now and later. It's a twofer. He wants you to know how to be saved from death now while you're stuck to gravity, covered in flesh and stuck in breath. And later, when it's all wrapped up and the world's blown away and you're standing in front of Jesus. Both. Twofer. Now, some people think, well, I know he saved me for later, but I'm going to go ahead and do a little dance with the devil now. That doesn't make any sense to me. I don't want death later, but I'll take it now. So I'm just going to align myself and agree with the enemy. So that's one choice you can make. I'm saved for later, but I'll just go ahead and live for death now. I believe that is not the heart of Christ for you. He wants to save you now. He wants to save you later. He wants to save you, period. And so sometimes I think the other, uh, the other thing is true, that we really don't believe that Jesus can save us now. Oh, I know when it's all, oh, when glory comes, I know I want to be, you know, when the saints go marching in, I want to be one of them. But for now, earth is hard. And I don't know if I can be saved now. And I think maybe saved for some of us means I want to be saved from death. So I'm going to make sure I look really good. Now, don't laugh at me because America spends a lot of money on how we look. So don't give me lip. We spend a lot of money on cosmetics, on weight loss, on clothes. We spend a lot of time on it. I think we think that looking good will save us from death. Now. I, I, I think we really do think that. Because we talk a lot about staying young, how bad it is to get old. I mean, really even trying to do surgeries to make it stop happening. Oh, Lord, help us. I mean, really, it's a sad state of affairs. We think being cute will save us from death. I think we also think, at least in this culture, that having a lot of things, a lot of stuff, is going to save us from death. I'll be happy. I'll have life if I have a lot of things to keep me comfortable. And so we do materialism and we do appearance. So we think if I'm really smart and I have a great job, I have success, and I can show that to the enemy, and I'll put that weapon up against the enemy, and that'll keep death away because I'm smart, and I'm educated, and I have a lot of things, and I look good. So that has protected me from death. I have life now. Then there's some people who maybe would go, oh, no, 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 I am not into materialism, and I, I really don't believe education is the answer and great jobs and, and money and looking good. I don't care about any of that stuff. I'm going to find the way to have real life. I'm going to look for it out here. And so I begin to search out all the little religions that come. And so I don't throw up my materialism, but I might say I'm going to be really religious and I'm going to have a report card of all my good works. And I'm going to show that and I'm going to say, see, death, you got to stay away from me because I'm good. I have life because I'm good. And here's evidence of my goodness. Here's my report card. Or I'm going to come at death and try and keep death away, really no life, by coming in, in the name of whichever God I pick, you know, little G God. 
um, you know, I'm going to come in the name of Mohammed to death. I come in the name of Mohammed so you can't get me because I come in the name of Mohammed. Or I come in the name of Confucius. Or I come in the name of what well, you, you put in the blank. You know, fill in the blank, the religion. And I put it on a piece of paper and I hold it up to him and say, see, here's evidence why I'm alive. And you know what the enemy does with everything that we just said? Parents, money, false religions. He just goes... And then he just keeps coming. I think we should be concerned with what the enemy thinks. Instead of lifting up our opinions about what life is. And I'll tell you what. The only name that will keep the enemy, that will impress him, it's nothing I said. It's when you come and say, I come in the name of Jesus Christ. It isn't my righteousness. It's his. So I'm going to get down real low and let you talk to him. And then Jesus confronts the enemy, and the enemy bows only to Jesus. It doesn't matter what you think about it. It doesn't matter what Asheville thinks about it. It matters what is written in Scripture, and we should be concerned with who we're being saved from. We are saved from a fierce and cunning enemy who is too strong for all of us. Don't. I bring you of that will be for today in the town of David. A Savior has been born to you. He is the Lord. And the enemy recognizes his name. In Philippians, there is no other name given under heaven. It is Jesus, the name above all names, that all the earth and under the earth will bow to that name and that name only. It's the name of Jesus. So what about later? Talking about how you could be saved now. Choosing Jesus now, every day living with him now. What about later? Well, I really have been seriously pondering this as I pray for our church and I pray for this city. Even if you could pick your God, they were all good, they were all true, even if you could, and you'd just line them all up and listen to say, why should you be my God? And they give their little spiel. Well, I want to be your God because... Why should you be my God? Well, I want to be your God because... I mean, even if it were an evil, even playing field, and there were, even if there were many paths to God, there are not, but even if there were, why would you choose anybody else but Jesus? I mean, for serious. Here's one. God that sits on his throne and says, all right, only a certain number of you are going to get in. So you better start running fast and trying hard. Or how about this one? Uh, I'm not sure how many of you I'm going to let in. So you better try really hard and hope I'm in a favorable mood. Or how about this one? I'm going to sit here and I'm going to watch and see if you can attain perfection all by yourself on earth. I'm going to watch you struggle for it. And you better get it right. Because if you don't, I'm going to keep sending you back. 
to do life over and over again. Live it over and over again until you get it right. Or, watch me struggle with this. It's part of it. There's this God who got off his throne. And he left heaven and he came to earth and he studied our weakness and our demise and he crawled inside a feeding trough and wrapped flesh around him and pooped his diapers and spit up and grew up to become a man, a perfect man, but not until he had been tempted in every single way all of us have been tempted. And he said, I know it's hard to get to me, isn't it? I'm not going to ask you to, to do it all by yourself. Here, wait, let me do it for you. So he came as close as he could. And it was heavy, and it cost him everything. He said, there, just use that. And come, and I'll, I'll be waiting for you right here. If you could pick any God you wanted, why would you pick a different one? And he says, I made a way. It's right here. It's, and all I'm asking, my big command, my high command, is that you would love me. That's all I'm asking. I just... I just want you to love me. Why would you choose any other God? I mean, even if they were even, why would you choose any other God? But here's the big news. They're not. There are not multiple paths. There is one, and it's right there. And he is the Savior. And guess what? Because he's Savior, sorry, Jazz, I got to say something about Lord. He's going to talk about it next week. But here's the deal. When Jesus rescues us and we, we're pulled up into life, now we're protected from that enemy in the name of Jesus. This is what Jesus is going to say to us while we're here on earth. He's going to say, all right, you're in. I've given you life. Now you, follow me. I know how to get through life and avoid death. Come on. And it's like a war scene. And we're following Jesus. And he's going to say, everybody down, everybody down. And we're all going to get down and we're all going to be humble. Everybody get low. The enemy's coming. He's coming. Stay low. Stay low. He, he's really fierce. Stay low. Don't you dare put your head up. He'll blow it off. <laughs> Stay low. And he's going to say, whew, got through that one. Okay, everybody up. All right, now start coming again. And then he's going to say, leap. Whew. Obstacles. Whew. Leap. Don't you even, this is life. You know it, isn't it? Life. Whew. Gotta leap over that one because the enemy keeps going. I'm like, whoo, leap. He's gonna say, come here. And then he may sense something from the enemy. He's gonna say, everybody, stay together. Everybody, stay together. Don't go off by yourself. Stay together. And he'll lead us on and we'll follow him because he's Lord. And then we'll get to a point and he'll say, oh, everybody rest. Everybody rest. You're going to need your strength because I know what's ahead. 
I want to save you now, and I want to save you later. The second question I want to ask you, I can't answer. And the second question is, will you let him save you? And that's up to you. We're going to answer him now. We're going to go into a time of response where I'm done. You, you, you do what you want to. So this is very real. And I've been praying for you guys all week that today would be a day of salvation. Somebody's going to get saved. I've been praying for us. So I asked if Shannon and some of the leaders will come stand here by the cross. And uh, as we enter into our time of communion, if anybody wants to say those big giant words, cling on to the cross and say, I want to be saved now and I want to be saved later. You unpack that and you come to whomever you want. Jill, leaders, if some of you who would be willing to come and then those who are serving communion, go ahead and get ready. We're going to have that offered around the, the building. So if you want to take communion and remember and celebrate this Savior, you do that. Take your children, tell them why. They take the cracker and dip it into this juice that represents his blood. Tell them why. And if you don't know what it means and you want to get saved, you want to be prayed for. And I do want to say this. I want to open it up, the now and the laters, because I know some of you are like, oh, no, I'm saved later, but I have been living with death now. Be saved. Be saved now on earth. And for some of you who have never spoken the words, let today be the day of salvation, December 4th, 2011. We talked about Savior last time. Don't. I bring you of. Say this together. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord.